Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Rafe Hewson, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He is an up-and-coming Australian luchador. He is the man known as Del Cano. How are you today, sir? I am very well, Rafe. How are you today? I am surviving. It's actually been quite difficult, but we've made it here in the end. So <laughs> I'm very yeah, happy to be here with you, man. Uh, it sounds like you've been through one hell of a weekend. So uh, thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it. It's becoming a bit of a theme of this podcast where I'm just <laughs> this like strung out wreck of a human being <laughs> who can barely keep his, his shit together. But hey, we're here, man. Um, thanks so much for your time. Uh, the, the reason why I reached out to you was I've attended some EPW shows and stuff recently. Uh, your work really stood out to me, and also your journey kind of stands out to me a little bit. We're obviously living in the most isolated city in the world, and you're a luchador here, and the kind of craft or art or way of the luchador has always sort of interested me, and I'm like, how does one do that in the you know, somewhere so far away from Mexico and all those kind of things and, and what drew you there. So I th- I'll just rewind and say, what what was kind of your first uh, exposure to wrestling? What made you want to start to get into it? Um, I actually got into wrestling relatively late compared to most people. Um, I was 12 and a friend of mine who's actually a referee for EPW right now, Clint Maston, um, WWE ECW came to Perth. Um, it was like uh, 2007, I think it was. And he had a spare ticket, and, and he was into wrestling, but I was like, yeah, I'll tag along, whatever. And at some point, I just kind of fell in love with it. So even though I started watching in 2007, the first guy I saw was Ric Flair, which is just a really weird dichotomy. To it's kind a of... pr- pretty epic person to see straight off. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just kind of never fell out of it. All my other friends kind of fell out of it and never got into it, and I just always still wanted to be a wrestler. I was never... I never imagined just being a fan. It always was so tied to actually getting in the ring. Um, so I had a really start journey to actually debuting. Um, I started training for Schwa, um, so another company, not EPW, in, uh, when I was 16. And then had my first match for them under a different name, uh, <laughs> which I will not go too into, but it was David Starr before the other David Starr. Uh-huh. I, I will hang my well, I like you better as David Starr already. Um, I think most people would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then Schwab changed where their training school was because I was 16. I couldn't really get there, so I had to stop wrestling. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of years later, started training with the EPW and was also training with Schwab at the same time. And it came time for me to re-debut. And there are kind of two things that went into wearing a mask. The first one is, you know, I was a kid who enjoyed going on trampolines, and so I'd learned how to do all these little flips. So the promoter at the time was like, hey, you want to be a luchador kid? And I'm like, yeah, all right. I kind of always imagined having my face out in front of a crowd, but you know, I could, I could be a luchador for like you know six months or whatever and then get rid of it. Here we are seven years later. Um, <laughs> but the other oh, wow. thing was I, was I was a kid with like some pretty severe body issues, like... Um, at the time, especially, I was going through bulimia and um, just really was not happy with how I looked. And putting on that mask was kind of a way for me to enter this different mindset. And, you know, right, it's not me, you know, the person under the mask shirtless in front of this crowd. I'm now Del Cano. I'm this this thing. Mm-hmm. And I can go out there shirtless and it wasn't an issue anymore. 
Um, so those two things kind of fed off each other, but it wasn't through any great love of Mexican wrestling at the time. As I've gone on, I've got very into Lucha and you know, incorporated a lot more genuine Lucha Libre into what I do. Um, but yeah, it came from a very different place than most people expect. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could definitely see that like helping, you know, like a, a lot of people, like other wrestlers and even actors and stuff when they talk about costumes and, you know, bands, Slipknot and stuff, when they talk about that, being able to sort of let go and free themselves because they're not feeling, you know, judged or they, they can be who they are. Uh, for a young kid starting out, that, that must have been pretty freeing for you because you're like, hey, nobody knows who I am. I just get to go out here and do what I want and I don't need to feel self-conscious about it. No, absolutely. And, you know, I was very scared of my friends finding out I was into wrestling throughout mm-hmm. high school. Like none of my friends knew I was into wrestling still. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved schools for the last few years of high school, didn't tell anyone. And yeah, it feels like, it's almost like a war paint. Like you put on this mask and then you are this different person. You can go out there and you just, you unleash. You, you don't have the same insecurities that you had beforehand. And it's, um, yeah, the mask thing may have come from a suggestion, but it was the best decision that could have ever happened. Yeah, wow. It, it, it allowed you to become somebody else. We, um... When, when we were briefly getting this started, I said to you, because you, you sent me a picture of, like, one of your really old masks, like, which is, like, pretty great. <laughs> I don't okay. know whether you want to give that great, to me to go great, to the Instagram. It's a very misleading term. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let people be the judge, but if people think back to, like, the Spider-Man movies when you see him first put on, like, a balaclava or whatever in the wrestling ring and stuff, those were the vibes it gave me. And, and it sort of went, man, when I look at your mask now and you look and – you know, all that time. How, how long ago was that picture taken, do you think? So that was from my first match as Del Cano. Um, so that was December 2014. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, that was from a while ago. And yeah. my first set of gear, I had no idea where to buy gear. And, you know, I was an idiot, so I didn't ask anyone. Yeah. Um, so I made the same mistake a lot of people make, which is you go online, you search wrestling gear, and you find the first place that sells. And I'm more than okay to bury them because they're terrible. And anyone listening who's thinking of getting into wrestling... Don't get off Elucha um, because they it's terrible quality and you think, oh, I'm going to make something unique with my mask. So you can literally like customize what's going to go on the mask. Yeah. They don't like check it. They just send you exactly what you order. So if you have no idea what you're doing, they will send you through you know, those eyes with that weird earpiece thing, whatever. And cool, good for them. They got your money. Um, so yeah, that piece of shit was... Uh, what I wore for the first year or so. <laughs> um, I mean, it's come a long way since then, but it is that journey. It is that hero's journey, man. Like, a, like I said, it, it reminded me of the start of Spider-Man, but then when I look at where you you are now and you think, you're like, oh, wow, he, he took that time and, you know, he started really rough, but essentially refined himself and, and built himself into that hero he wanted to be, which is kind of pretty cool. Oh, no, it's cool. You know, it makes me feel like, you know, right now I'm, Maybe just become a Blastoise, but that Squirtle shit I came from is oh disgraceful, <laughs> disgraceful. But yeah, when, when it came when it came time to get the new mask, I decided to go through things the right way. Uh, a friend of mine in Sydney, Big Fudge, mm-hmm. he recommended Jade Mask and Design in Mexico, mm-hmm. and this is like the legit stuff. You know, I think Callisto uses uh, Jade to make their masks, and it takes a couple of months. It's a bit expensive, but it is worth every cent. They will design something that's perfect for you, for your character, for the shape of your head, which for this potato-shaped thing that I have on top of my body is a good idea. And it was just, um, 
yeah, the best investment I ever made. So you just like send them all the measurements and, and everything like that? They, they send you, oh, I need this, you know, ear to chin measurement. And I'm like, I don't even know how to wrap a tape measure around my head that way. I'm sure it's possible because yeah. you want know, me to do it, but uh, it was it was awkward, but we got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it looks really cool. And yeah, I looked through the link for the, the Jade Mastings and there's, it, if people look through it and they, they're familiar with uh, various famous luchadors, they would recognise quite a few of them. There's like yeah. a, a, lot of, a lot of big names in there. Is there like politics i guess when it comes to that in wrestling there seems there's always kind of politics but like mask shapes and designs because these are guys faces and how they make their livelihoods and in traditional lucha you know it's shameful when you lose your mask and all this kind of stuff so is that an issue when you go through like a legit builder like a or mask maker is that something that you put in their hands you kind of give them a sketch do you have a consultation how, do, how does that kind of work well, I think that's one of the great things about going through someone who's legitimate is that they know how to navigate those waters. If yeah. it was up to me, I'd probably come up with something that would be, you know, plagiarism at, at best. Um, but if you have someone who is so deeply entrenched in the scene, they know that how to make something that may, you know, pay homage to a great wrestler or, you know, but not be derivative yeah. and not step on anyone's toes. So they'll create something entirely unique to you and that unique, and that is now your identity. Um, yeah. So the mask that I got from Jade, the second one, that's the design I've kept all the way through. I've had to order a few different ones with different colored gear and whatever, and I've kept that design. That design is now firmly mine. Yeah, it just um, it just becomes your face, that, right? Absolutely, no. That's just that's just what my face looks like, which you know is great. Every time I get home from a show, my girlfriend's like, "Oh God, you're wearing the thing." <laughs> <laughs> Does she? Uh, what does she think of the whole wrestling thing? Were you already doing it when you guys met, or how'd that work? Yeah, she. Um, <laughs> so we met, and um, I was already pretty deep into wrestling at that point. But you know, she's come to a few shows. But yeah, it's, it's not easy watching you know the person you love get beat repeatedly. And I'm not. If I was, you know. Marcus Pitt, and I was just throwing people around. Sure, whatever, but no, I'm the guy Marcus Pitt's throwing around. Yeah, yeah. So it's very difficult to come to shows and be like, oh, God, you know, I, yeah, I thought you were supposed to be fine. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm very sore, but, you know, I'm alive. So look at me go. But it's, uh, I, don't, I don't expect her to be at every show because that would be very unfair to her. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot to take in. When, when you guys first met and stuff, how long... Was it before you were like, so I kind of do this thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You talked about keeping it secret from friends and stuff like Thankfully, um, we actually, she went to the same school I did in primary school a few years below me. Um, so thankfully, she was already aware of it, so I didn't have to introduce the topic. Right, because that, 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 that be was always a night. My thought was, oh, God, I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to have to, you know, then explain this ridiculous thing that I do. Mm -hmm. um, so thankfully, she already knew about it, and it was <laughs> it didn't have to be introduced. It still took a few months to get her to a show. And uh, <laughs> the first show I got her to, it was um, a couple of years, a couple of years, a couple of months into us dating. And, you know, I was in a six-man tag. I remember that quite distinctly, and I knew that she was going to be there. And so backstage, we're sorting out the match. I'm like, all right, listen, listen, guys, here's, here's the deal. My girlfriend's watched me wrestle for the first time. So, like, how do you feel if I get the hot tag and I just 
do really well against all three of you at once. And they're like, yeah, sure. So got this brother extravagant up here. hot tag. <laughs> yeah, this extravagant hot tag. You know, they're, they're lining them up, knocking them down. I look amazing. And then, you know, obviously I take the pin for the finish. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, at least at least you were were looking hot for quite a while there before before you got shut. Oh, mate, Did you mate, get cut off like real hard? <laughs> oh, it was it was it was, what was it? like an Alabama slam backstabber combo. It was like not it was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that's savage. That's a, that's a way to go out, man. I get all my cool flips and then get murdered. So you know it balanced out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, then obviously she's concerned, and you're like, "Look, I'm still alive. This is okay. It's all going to work out." Yeah, but did you yeah. see all the stuff before that? Yeah, yeah, that was the cool stuff. Let's not focus on me losing. We don't talk about that stuff. The rest of it, yeah, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Nah, nah, nah. There's, there's a minute and a half there that really matters. <laughs> did you see that? That's the one that matters. <laughs> Rewinding um to to being a kid, getting into wrestling, and I, I related straight away to you saying like not wanting my friends to know and things like that. So when I grew up in Geraldton. Uh, for those who are not in WA, it's four hours north of Perth, which is kind of like our main city. And so for me, getting into wrestling, like I knew nobody that was into it at all. You know what I mean? My dad and I used to watch some stuff like I started getting into it, and then when Stone Cold happened, he was like about it, and we, we used to watch it together. But I tried to bring a couple of friends into it but to kind of no real avail, and, and I was like a kid, like it would be so cool to be a wrestler, but obviously – there's literally no way to navigate that, you know? Like, I, I'm probably a little bit older than you, and so the internet was pretty new. There wasn't really a way to reach out. How was it for you when you, like, discovered Perth wrestling, like, independent wrestling? Was that well, something that came hand in hand because you knew that referee, or or how did that work? Well, so, you know, we were the same age, so we were both, you know, 12, 13, kind mm-hmm. of just watching WWE. That was all we knew. Yeah. And then, you know, YouTube became more of a thing because this was around 2007. So YouTube became more of a thing, and we, you know, used to type in wrestling all the time. And then we found independent wrestling. I think the first guy we saw was Matt Cross because you know we typed in wrestling, we saw corkscrew, shooting star, elbow drop. We're like, ah, those words shouldn't be together. And we have to see what goes on there. Yeah. And then we go down that rabbit hole. Uh, EP, we found EPW again by complete accident. Um, WWE was coming again to Perth the next year. Um, in 2008, and we decided to look on Ticketek for tickets. So we typed in wrestling rather than WWE, and two things showed up. So the WWE Raw tour for like 80 bucks or whatever it was, and then there was you know triple threat steel cage match, 20 bucks. 20 bucks, hell yeah, cool. All right, let's, I have no idea what this is, but let's go. Um, and it turned out to be EPW Reawakening Seven, which is an awesome show. Um, and we went there, and it was just such an amazing atmosphere. Like this, this hot crowd with these local guys we'd never heard of, but the crowd seemed to know who they were. Everyone was into it. And it's so funny. I, I went back recently and rewatched the show, and it's just so weird to think about the people who I saw for the first time then who are really good friends of mine now. Um, but after that point, we were hooked. Um, yeah, we went to Reawakening 7. It was amazing. The show after that was where it really got solidified because so I was 13 at the time, and the show after Reawakening was called Christmas Chaos. It was kind of like a little less of an intense show, more of a fun, send the crowd home happy, you know, before a month off over Christmas, New Year's. And they did a spot with me and Dean Olsen and um, big William Darcy, who was uh, like this big manager, big heel manager who, you know, was a loud mouth and all that. 
So they did a thing where there was a, a raffle online to see who would be the guest ring announcer for the championship match. And they did it. So William Darcy rigged it, and he comes out, and he's laughing. Ha yes, I won. Me and Dean Olsen actually gave him a Stone Cold Stunner, which is hilarious in hindsight. Um, and then they said, all right, cool, we're going to pick someone from the crowd. And I was in the front row, and I was enthusiastic and fat and weird and looking enough, and they brought me in. So at 13 years old, I stepped into a wrestling ring for the first time, and wow. it was like the adrenaline was pumping uh, David Storm gave me a Santa hat, which I still have now, and I still wear to every Christmas training session. Um, and I'm Jewish, so like that's the only Christmas stuff I own. <laughs> so, and yeah, from from that moment, it was kind of written in this. Like there was no way I wasn't going to try for DPW at that yeah, stage. Well, that's that's so cool, man. Like, and then at that point, like being a young kid, then it then it seems obtainable, right? Like it's oh, th- these are guys in my city. They're Australian yeah. like I am. They all train really hard. They do this. If I can just start training, then maybe I can do it too, right? And that's it. I was just eyeing off. I knew you had to be 16 to start, and I was just eyeing off that 16th birthday. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, wasn't doing any prep or anything. I wasn't, you know, going to the gym or eating well. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, once I'm 16, I'll be able to start training. Yeah. Why would you prep? That would be stupid. But yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I knew that's when I could start. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so now it's been how many years, did you say? Uh, as Del Carnos, uh, just over six. Yeah, wow. And you go, and, and it seems to me like the the future's heating up a little bit for Del Carno. You've had some stuff going on on the last shows I've seen and some stuff going on on Schwa. So tell me about where you're at at the moment and what's, uh, what's on the horizon. Yeah, so on in the EPW side of things, I'm finally, it, it took a long time. Um, I've finally managed to kind of get a consistent spot on the EPW cards. Um, for a long time, it was very spotty at best. You know, I only debuted for EPW in 2017, so three years into wrestling as Del Cano uh, was when I managed to crack the cards. And even then, it was like you know a show here, a show there. But we made a fun tag team called the Nacho Friends, which you know we thought was going to be a big deal, and then just wasn't really used. And then. 2019 was this big rebuilding year where, you know, EPW started running these showcases out of the school, which are the training shows, having these free shows at Supernova and uh, the Royal Show and all these things. And just I just took every opportunity I could to really be like, hey, use me. Like, I really, you know, I will put in the work. I am putting in the work. I should be on your cards consistently. Um, and it all built to a head at uh, Going for Broke, which was this big show in March last year, had a career-defining match against Jay Taylor, who has been one of the most important people in my career, both in ring and out. Like he's an amazing mind, an amazing wrestler. And had this big match at Going for Broke, and that was on March the seventh of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything kind of shut down right after that. Yeah. So the momentum had been built up, but at that point, I think it was kind of, okay, once everything comes back, you know, I'll be fine. So I just had a match in the Invitational Tournament, which I was a career goal ticked off. I still want to win the thing, but I never expected I would actually get in the tournament to begin with. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what happens next. I mean, I'm not quite sure what's happened. I don't know when the next show date will be. We haven't got confirmation just yet, but, you know, whatever happens, happens, you know. And then there's Schwa. 
So schwa, um, schwa is where I started, and for the last few years, no, look, not going to toot my own horn, but like I, I am the guy in schwa. Yeah. To put it bluntly, like wrestler of the year a few years in a row, former heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. current pride champion, which is the mid card belt for seven hundred and something days. Jesus. Um, That's yeah. a run. Getting the Goldberg yeah, numbers mate. over here. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's been a good one. Uh, I think it's like the third longest reign in WA history. So screw wow. the Don. <laughs> Worst guy. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Schwa, we do have a date coming up. Uh, March the 6th, um, I'm defending again against Chadwick Jackson, who I've heard that you're a bit of a fan of the children. I am a bit of a fan of the children. We're not going to get into that now. I'm here to talk about Del Cano, oh. but I, I have been known to see the light on occasion. Uh, Chadwick Jackson, anyway. So, yes, March the 6th, Schwa is returning again, Maddington Community Hall, um, and main event, of course, because your boy. And I'm very much looking forward to that match with Chadwick Jackson. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun. Exactly. Well, your, your styles are pretty opposed, right? Like, so you being uh, Lucha-influenced and high-flying and, and Chadwick being... Uh, a big brawling unit of a dude. Oh, he is a um, he is what the term brick shit house was made for. <laughs> he is he is just so incredibly solid. It is mental. Um, and really fast as well. That's what what impressed me about him. I was like, wow. When he starts running, the momentum is ridiculous. He has this running shoulder block thing that he does, and the course flash. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's very strong, very quick, and just, ugh, yeah, creepy. Oh, well, you're the man for a reason, right? I'm sure you, uh, you're you doing your homework and you get ready to go. I'm not saying he's a threat. I'm saying all those <laughs> things, and that is why it'll be great when I beat him. <laughs> well, there you go. It's just another another notch on the, on the belt, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but he's, he's been doing some amazing work lately as well, and it's going to be very good to really see what he does in that spot. Because yeah. I think I'm I'm fairly certain it's uh it will be his second ever singles main event, so um it'll be interesting to see if he steps up to the plate. Yeah, no worries. Well, that, I th- I think that'll be that'll be interesting. I might try and get to that. When is, when is that? Where is it? Uh, March the sixth. March. 6th. Oh, okay. I'll be at that wedding. We keep talking about. You know what? Times. I'm the MC. I'm cancelling it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you have that power. You have the microphone. They shouldn't have given you know, it. If I say that I'm main eventing a show on the microphone, it's happening. That's how it works. That's it. What we'll do is I'll go to the wedding and I'll do it to a certain point. Then we pipe you in over the PA and you just announce yeah. that you're having the match and then everybody needs to leave and go to the match. That's what will happen. Yeah, no, of course. See, it's just such a logical plan. Yeah, there we go. It's sorted. I've, I've got your number now, so we, we can tee this up. Now, let's let's talk about one thing that isn't watching the, uh, the matches or wrestling the matches. Let's talk about the opposite of that. So you said you were starting to gain steam in EPW and then the lockdowns happened, right? So COVID-19. That must have been super frustrating for you as it was for anybody in wrestling and is super physical. How how did you, you deal with that, man? Like it's a big full stop on what, something you've been working so hard for. So how do you keep yourself motivated and keep training harder or, or preparing for, for the day it all comes back? Yeah, so it it was like as, as you know everyone here knows like COVID sucks and you know that first break was really jarring in particular. Um, I also at the time my main 
job was working in hotels. Um, so my work was also cut down pretty much straight away. I was scheduled to go overseas to go, you know, meet my new baby niece. Had to cancel those plans. So it was just kind of this, this trifecta of shit that kind of hit the same time. And, you know, we've been blessed in Perth, but, you know, yeah. it's, it still doesn't feel nice. Um, but that COVID break turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, really. Um, I just, at first, I just decided, hey, this is my time off. I'm going to take a break. And I just took a break in every sense of the word. Didn't do much. Didn't care what I ate. Didn't exercise. Cool. Um, and then as it became really apparent that this wasn't going to be a, a short-term thing, this was going to go on for a little bit longer, I just made the decision to address a few things that I've been letting slip because I've been so busy in the years before then between wrestling and work and everything like that that I just I let aspects of my mental health go to the side um, and there were things that I knew I needed to address. So the first thing was I got officially diagnosed with ADHD, which is something that I'd been putting off for a long time, I've been very aware of. And that was the catalyst for a lot of other things to change. Um, my diet and exercise I made much more structured and huge shout out to Progress365. Um, it's run by a guy named Brett and he is an absolute unit. He sorts out your meal plan. He's available 24-7 to contact. I cannot recommend him enough. And I just began, you know, getting myself in the best shape possible so that when wrestling came back, I would be in the best position. Um, and so over the course of like April to December, I lost something like was it 16 kilos, I think it was, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and just really completely changed how my body looks and feels. Mm -hmm. And then the ADHD diagnosis also helped with uh, dealing with some feelings of anxiety I've been having in other areas of my life. And just getting my life as balanced as possible was how I decided to use that time. Wow. Um, so it, it definitely sucked to start off with, but in hindsight, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Well, I think I think it speaks well of you that uh, you managed to find your way out of that uh, pattern. So I think it'd be very easy for a lot of people um, to go, well, everything's paused, I'm just going to do nothing and I'll watch Netflix and I'll hang out and I'll do whatever and when it comes back, it comes back and then I'll restart my life as per normal, you know. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that when you start out. You've got to be kind to yourself. Everything's, you know, a bit rough and a bit different and stuff. But then that feels real good, you know. Like It's very easy to just be like, this is what I'm doing, I'm staying up late, you know. Yeah, and then when you don't have that structure, it's very hard to build that structure for yourself, you know. And then by by setting those things for yourself and making yourself do that stuff, it's it's uh, it's it's really good to hear that you managed to, to find a, maybe a better way to live your life in, in that time when, you know, the world stood still for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, a, a huge shout-out to uh, my partner because without her, like, she really was a, a huge catalyst for helping motivate me to do it because I knew all I knew all the things I wanted to do. That was the most frustrating part. I just didn't take that first step. Once you take the first step and get the ball rolling, then it's much easier. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just so hesitant to start and... It was, I'll never forget, it was the easiest sentence ever. I was just talking about how, oh, I you know, really wish I could start this diet thing. And she said, so do it. You keep talking about wanting to do it. Just, just do it and see how it goes. And it was the most obvious thing that could have been said, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, and I've kind of 
tried to adopt that much more into my life, you know, rather than thinking of all these hypotheticals, just do things. Exactly. Yeah, everyone has to start somewhere. What a, the, they say, you know, every journey starts with a step. And that can be a hard step to take some time. Like I, I've been doing this podcast now for, what is it, five, heading towards six months. I've been talking about doing a podcast yeah. for years, you know, like for years and years, but it always seems so hard to get the gear, to do the thing. Do people want to hear what I have to say? Does thing? And then I just went, who cares? I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to start it. And then, you know, a, a guy at work, Aaron, who's a, a good mate of mine, uh, I work, I manage a music store, right? So I sell all the equipment. I can get it cheaper. I can do all these things. It's all at my fingertips, right? Yeah. And, I, and then I got the gear and then I was like, yeah, and then I just need to prepare this and I'm kind of just finding all these things to do to not start. And I was like, just start it. He's like, what, what could be so hard? What do you have to like – prepare for and I'm like I don't know like what do I have to say that's different to anybody else it's like what does anybody have to say it's like play me like a wrestling podcast right now and I just played it and he goes okay and what's it sound like when you talked about it? and I sort of half done one he goes it sounds exactly the same it's just guys talking about stuff he's like so just do your stuff the only thing that's going to set you apart from anybody else is you so just yeah. keep doing it and keep creating content and so that's what I've been doing now you know and I reach out to people like yourself and I'll have a conversation, see if we can connect and see how it goes and hopefully help promote some people. And I talk with my friends and I just do whatever the fuck I want, you know, <laughs> people either like it or they won't, but it's yeah, still fun, you know? Scary. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. I like no. wrestling and I like talking about it. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a fucking expert. I just want to talk with my friends or talk about something that I'm like super geared up about and hopefully I can share that with other people, you know? And so what and that's, you, that's amazing that you, you now have, the opportunity to do that so regularly like, that's amazing yeah it, it's uh it's it's kind of crazy to me like I, i'm still there's a very long way to go like and you can kind of think of lofty goals and stuff but i've been really fortunate i've had some very kind people you know reach back out or reach out to me or reply to things that i said and, and give me their time like today we were supposed to talk earlier and i had to cancel on you and knock it back and you were very gracious with your time and stuff and People just like to connect, I think, and, and fans like ourselves that like wrestling like to share that with other people. And in in the world, like, wrestling ain't always the coolest thing, you know, with people and in mainstream and stuff, especially not in Australia where it's like a sub-sub-sub kind of genre and stuff. So it's, like, super fun to find like-minded people. You're hesitant on anything, and then it's like, oh, so you're, like, not, like, a legit sport. Oh, and then you're, like, a level below dirt. Yeah. And you're like, you come have a go and see how you do. <laughs> exactly right. All right, so uh, let's dive quickly back into Lucha again. So you said that once you were made um, a Lucha boy and you, you weren't really a fan with how you started, but then you began to incorporate it. Who did you look to for influences and for, for training and stuff like that when you began to sort of develop who Del Cano is in the ring? So the answer is... Um not only luchadors from this time period, but also a bunch of other wrestlers, mid-90s really is, you know, so the ECW stuff between Ray and Psychosis, like that kind of stuff was my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But then also when you go to the mid-90s, you know, the kind of Jericho, Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, obviously, Chris Benoit, like that kind of light heavyweight. My style is very lucha libre mixed with Japanese wrestling, mixed with American, mixed with British. It, it's a very hybrid style. Um, and I pride myself on that. I pride myself on 
my wrestling, I, I do flips, but I, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't throw out flips for the sake of flips. Um, I, I hate that. I, I like wrestling to make sense. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that I would never do in an actual fight, it is something that within the context of what I presented makes sense for that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching those kind of guys, those journeymen who you know went around the world and just took a little bit from here, a little bit from there, that was really what inspired me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, that whole you know WCW cruiserweight division really was oh, a game changer for a lot of people, right? Like Bischoff yep. like creating that created something really special and changed like a lot of people's lives. Like a lot, so many wrestlers now are like, I didn't think I could be a wrestler. I didn't think I was big enough. And then the cruiserweight started happening and then they, st- that's where it started. You know, so many people say that. No, absolutely. And you know, that first show I went to that SmackDown ECW tour, Rey Mysterio was on that show. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, he's tiny. Yeah, I could do that. And I saw what he did. I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. Um, but you know, it's not inconceivable. Suddenly, it's not these. When you hear wrestling growing up, even if if you're not a wrestling fan, you think of these giant, muscle-bound, six foot six guys, and I'm just not that. Mm-hmm. But then you see that wrestling can be whatever you want, mm-hmm. and you know we are now in charge of shaping the direction of where wrestling goes, and I think it's going to an amazing direction where whatever you are, as long as you are dedicated to your craft, you can succeed in professional wrestling Mm -hmm. absolutely when you look at like huge guys when you look at like hulk hogan's and ultimate warriors and all these guys back in the day a lot of people would be like i can't be that like i can't grow to that size i can't actually do that and then now when you look at the state of wrestling those guys are pretty rare you know what i mean like they're they're really the attraction guys that makes them more special yeah and that's the thing is i'm by no means saying that oh you know it's you know that era is gone people should if you're six foot six and jacked Come to wrestling. Yes. Definitely. You'll have a grand old time. Um, but that shouldn't be everyone because then it's not, oh, okay, it's another six-foot-six six jack guy. Cool. And then it's, it's just not special. You, it's a variety show and you need a variety. That's I'm such a huge proponent for intergender wrestling because as soon as you introduce that dynamic, that's a whole new dynamic that you can work in and, cre- and craft and create unique stories. And it's just... It's baffling to me that people seem to want everything to be the same. They want everyone to be the same size and, you know, be big. Mm. Well, that Where's era the- when, when like, uh, McMahon sort of had the monopoly on everything and then it was like independent wrestlers wouldn't get a look in. It was like, no, you need to, we're going to pull them from athletes and, like, they need to be football players and stuff and we'll get guys and we'll train them up our way and stuff. That's some of the rest like the the worst wrestling of all time happened during the that that time you know? yeah, absolutely you know you get the time where it's you know Sylvain Grenier on Smackdown and then you've got Danielson and McGuinness killing each other in Ring of Honor and it's just like why would I want to watch Sylvain Grenier I feel so bad I don't know Sylvain Grenier but you know poor guy anyway I've never heard of him um, before in my life <laughs> this amazing alternative with these passionate people who care about their craft and have spent clearly spent so much time thinking about what they do and making something you can emotionally invest in. That's what matters. Yeah. And it, and it seems so weird that sometimes wrestling can be such a self-deprecating thing, you know? Like you, the there's guys out there, these, these big dudes or whatever, or, or old-school wrestling guys and veterans, you know, 
everybody's a mark and if you're passionate about wrestling then you're a mark too and everybody needs to be big like me and all this stuff and it's like why do you hate the thing that you do and why do yeah. you then belittle the people that are passionate about it and are gonna put work into it you know it's never made yeah. sense to me fuck you for giving a shit yeah <laughs> it makes no sense don't you want to work with other people that are passionate that are going to make it better and so it's such a weird mindset like out of the that, that kind of era you know yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, I think that everyone seems to view... Well, sorry, not everyone. That's that's not fair. The people we're talking about mm-hmm. seem to view wrestling as this kind of war. You know, it's, it's my style of wrestling versus your style of wrestling or my company versus your company. There is so much out there. That's not what it is anymore. Mm-hmm. Our goal is making professional wrestling as a whole as strong as possible so that as many people get brought into what we do mm-hmm. and that as many people can become fans of professional wrestling. Which and that means benefits you everybody. different styles and different looks and because you are limiting your audience severely if you present one style. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like, why, were you, why would you want to do that? Why would you want less fans? And why would you also yeah. want to disrespect those people so they don't want like, – I just cannot understand it. But, it's, you know, there's I guess there's sort of uh, dumb people wrong, and not, everything. Like, <laughs> I'm not by any means saying that, you know, oh, you know, that means that everyone should just kind of book anyone on their shows. What I still very strongly believe that if you are an active professional wrestler, you need to be training multiple times a week. You need to be, you know, watching your diet. You need to be thinking – about your craft. I'm not saying that you should just book anyone, Joe Schmo, off the street mm-hmm. because then someone comes to a show and they see someone who isn't in ring shape. I'm not talking about your physical shape. I'm yeah. talking about your cardio is awful or whatever it is. You get blown up and they're like, oh, all right, that was bad. And that person will never come back. Mm-hmm. All it takes is one bad experience for someone to never come back to a product. Yeah. And so the onus is on us in the ring to be in the best possible conditioning that we can mm-hmm. so that we give them the best show possible and so that they come back. Well, definitely. And, uh, like, that's that's merit-based, right? People climbing a card and stuff by being able to perform and put on a, a better show and all that kind of stuff. And that shouldn't be based on physical attributes or anything like that. It needs to be based on performance, like what you're saying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, how much uh, passion and, and skill that somebody has. You, you're still not getting, like, a absolute newbie in there or people that, you know, can't bump or can't work or getting blown up and all those kind of things. But at the same time, like just because somebody is X high or XX or X whatever doesn't mean they can't be a part of this like amazingly fun thing, like this fun entertainment spectacle. Absolutely. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) <laughs> pro wrestling is for everybody that's the that's yeah. the amazing thing about it what or, amazing categories we just came up yeah with. we invented it del Cano <laughs> and ray Pearson just invented it um so so what's on what's on the the cards for you man so obviously you've got these big shows coming up and everything like that but where long term does del Cano want to see himself like uh the covid's over travel can happen again like do you want to go to Mexico? Do you do you want to work with Mexican luchadors? Do you want to go to Japan, like America? Like where where do you see or how far could you see yourself taking it? All of the above. 
Um, yeah. Like in the short term, just kind of continuing. I was doing a lot of interstate work before COVID, and I just want to really get that back on track because I love, I love wrestling interstate. I love you know Sydney in particular. I have a real affinity for. I really love the people over there, um, and I really love the crowds. But you know. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I can get something worked out in Adelaide in the next few months. That's in talks now. Um, but my long-term goal is, is exactly what you said. To me, there are four major styles of professional wrestling. You've got the American kind of wrestling, you know, hokey wrestling. Mm-hmm. You've got Japanese purisu. You've got Mexican lucha libre, and you have British world of sports style. And my long-term goal, by the time I retire, I want to have wrestled in those four places. Mm-hmm. So the UK, I ticked off a couple of years ago, did a tour of Europe, and managed to do some stuff in the UK. Um, and it was amazing, like so much fun. So just, yeah, North America, Mexico, and Japan. Once I've ticked those off, you know, anything else I achieve is amazing, but that, that's, that will be, that'll be enough for me. Exactly right. I can, I can only imagine like how how good it would feel to to be able to go to those places and to study your craft. You know, um, I, I I've spoke about it on this podcast before. I used to be in a band and we were together for ten years and we did you know multiple tours and stuff. And it always feels like a super achievement when you're doing that. You know, on the back of something you've created, and to to yeah. do that and to walk into those places like to walk into Arena Mexico or to you know, get to roll around with these guys or Curricon Hall or the, all these amazing venues. There must be like a massive bucket list for you that you're just like, let's sort out the world so we can begin. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I got to experience that a little bit with uh, even things like, you know, my EPW debut. The first time I got to wrestle for EPW and I walked through the curtain, I'm like, oh, this is what it looks like from this angle because I've yeah. only ever seen it from the crowd side of things and this is mental to me. And then, yeah, in Europe, I got to experience that a few times. Like, huh, I'm wrestling in Germany. That's cool. Like, I'm just kind of processing that that's happening as it's happening. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. There are just kind of these little moments that you are like, this is something I'm doing because of the work I've put in before. And that is really cool. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a lot of work, man. Like, uh, I respect anybody that could do it because it's not just – like it, it's physical and it's diet and it's mental and it's the grind and it's like such a huge commitment for for one individual to take on. So I, I respect anybody that does it. And then to yeah. to get to the level where you're traveling on the back of that and stuff it is it, it must be just a, an unbelievable thing. So I think you should feel like super proud of yourself as you, as you get to those things and you tick them off and make sure you take that time to stop like you did when you debuted for EPW and be like. This is pretty cool, man. Like, and not just get like caught up in the rush of it all, you know. But I can tell you're a yeah. hardworking dude, so yeah. I can I could see you doing that stuff for sure. No, thank you. Yeah, really yeah. appreciate no, that. That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, let's uh, let's talk about a, a quick. Uh, Maybe maybe we go match recommendations for anybody that's not familiar uh, with Lucha Libre. If you just had to shoot something out off the top of your head, I'm going to put you on the spot. Or if you cannot remember an exact match, maybe just like. Uh, maybe a little bit more obscure luchador than, say, Rey Mysterio that everybody would know <laughs> to well, check out their stuff. No, funnily enough, the, the match I would have to recommend, and I'd have to mention them earlier, would be Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis uh, from ECW in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, not only for the match itself, because the match is you know beautiful, but that 
match. Um, I can't remember the venue or the date, but it was in 1995. I know that. It's the first time, this is before the WCW Cruiserweight, it's before the WWF Light Heavyweight Division. This is the first time that American crowds are really seeing Lucha. And it is unreal to watch that crowd react to what is going on in that ring because it's just so unlike anything they've ever seen before. Yeah, they're just left shocked. Because <laughs> yeah. before that, right, it's it's Hulk. Like, it's uh, Sergeant Slaughter. It's, you know, all those kind of big guys kicking each other and, and clotheslines and all that kind of um, stuff. For reference, like 1995, you know, the main event of SummerSlam was Diesel versus King Mabel. So, oh, well, you know, okay. yeah, that's that's what you're working against. Yeah, exactly. And don't get me wrong, I was all about Diesel power back in the day, but uh, that's oh, not man, exactly a high-flying right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, man, uh, and Mabel, again, a, a super attraction, but that's not like uh, a match that would be known for its work rate, right? No. And, again, I was born in 1995, so he'll always be Big Daddy V to me. <laughs> That's hilarious, and you have also just revealed how much older I am than you. So <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, I'm feeling my age as we speak. Dude, where can everybody find you on social media and all those things? Uh, on Facebook, assuming that Murdoch hasn't banned me, uh, at Delcano Wrestler, mm-hmm. and it's the same for Instagram. And then Twitter is at Delcano FWS. Yeah, no worries. Well, everybody, make sure you follow the man there. Make sure you check out EPW. Make sure you check out Shawa. And uh, have you got any other immediate shows, or they're the main two places until you sort out this no, other stuff? The next one that we're aware of is March the 6th, Shawa Flashpoint nice. at the Maddington Rec Center. Okay, and you are defending at that show. I'm defending the Shawa Pride Championship day number 728 against Chadwick Jack. There we go. Well, let's hope we can see day 729. Oh, <laughs> the, the, morning. Dude, I cannot wait. Uh, man, thanks so much for your time. This was so fun to just take a little delve into the life of the mindset that it takes to do what you do and, and to build that up from being like a young kid, like you said, few confidence issues put on a mask and then build himself into a hero and uh, hopefully you'll be uh continue to be heroes for other little kids that are watching in the crowd and we can see you go on to achieve everything that you want man oh thank you that really that would be the best outcome yep. so thank you i really appreciate no that worries. and thank you for taking the time oh absolutely man if there's anything i can ever do for you if you ever need to get anything out there please reach out to me and we'll make sure we do it yeah, cancel the wedding. That, that's all. <laughs> okay, then. So we're cancelling the wedding. Either that, hear me out. The wedding is in Margaret River. Do we move the schwa show? We move it to the wedding venue? I've got a venue. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. You He's let everybody it. know that bought the tickets. I'll tee up the venue. I'll send you the details, and we're under control. Oh, we, won't, we won't tell them. We're just going to have, like, a giant van that, like, has a fake, you know, the centre <gasps> front on this. Everyone comes in, and then we just drive them down. Right. So it's just, like, enter here to... to Tick and off your ticket. Like, oh, You're just wow, one of it. Really, this is a really rumbly arena, and you know why is it? A it's three just a truck. It's like a thrifty truck that we've just got like a curtain on, and they get in. Then we just bar the doors and drive them to Margaret River and let them into the wedding. I'm literally yeah. There's like a, a season eleven or something Simpsons episode that they do that with a clicky mark. This <laughs> kind of sounding very familiar to me, but I'm still gonna yeah. think it's another thing that you and I've invented right now. So we're gonna oh, do really? that. Uh, I'm not sure at this stage we're inventing podcasting. Yeah. Well. I haven't heard Look, of another one I mean, before. If it, wasn't, if it was invented before, 
It's a rebirth. Yeah, exactly. It's a rebirth. I've never heard of a podcast with Del Cano and Rafe doing it together. So it's well, definitely the first. I. There you go. <laughs> and what a wedding present for my friend Matthew when I pull an entire van load of wrestling fans, an entire ring, an entire roster into his wedding to watch that title match. I can't wait. <laughs> Awesome, brother. You have a lovely night. And yeah, if you ever need anything, you just give me a yell, yeah? Same to you. Pleasure to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks, bud. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Faces and Feels. Check us out on social media at Faces Feels Cast on Instagram, at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter, or send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. Until then, peace out. <laughs>